Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1585. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Rob Ferriel. Rob Ferriel is a racer who owns and runs Team Hardpoint in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He's a team owner and a driver in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge Series, driving the number 31 Team Hardpoint Audi R8 LMS GT4. That sounds like a very cool race car. His brand encompasses both his race team and a startup that helps other funded gentleman drivers to extract more value from their racing passion through branding and activation of Hardpoint Outfitters. In response to the COVID-19 crisis, Rob also founded the Hardpoint Paddock Foundation to assist out-of-work racing crew members with emergency funds funded through donations and sales of automotive enthusiast apparel. Rob is also a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. Hoorah! <laughs> By the way, uh, Spencer Pompelli, who's a past Cars yeah guest and also is a co-driver with Team Hardpoint. So if you missed my talk with Spencer, go back and listen to that. We had a great time. We'll be back with Rob to talk about his business in a minute, but first, a valued word from our sponsors. So stay buckled up, keep your helmet on. We'll be right back. When it comes to your vehicles, things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything Mother Nature comes up with can hurt the finish of your vehicles, both inside and out, like that bird on the branch up above your car. I'm not worried, though, because I've used Covercraft products on my ride since 1975. That's right, since 1975. Today, Covercraft offers you a total solution for vehicle protection. They make the best-fitting, finest-made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior, whether your car is inside or outside. Plus, they keep your car cool when it's parked in the sun. Live where it's really sunny all the time? <laughs> Lucky. Covercraft covers and sunscreens are the best. If you've got pets, messy kids, messy in-laws, just plain messy friends, Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new. They're easy on, easy off, and they're easy to wash too. And don't forget Covercraft's custom fit floor mats and trunk liners. Plus, they're very handy seatback organizers. They are must-haves for all your vehicles. Your car, your truck, your van, or whatever you drive will say thank you. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH120, that's Y-E-A-H-120, at Covercraft.com, you can get 10% off your Covercraft order. Just go to Covercraft.com, check out all the products they have to protect your vehicles, use the code YEAH120 at checkout, and get that 10% discount. That's Covercraft.com and use Yeah120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. Kevin Buckler is a winning racer and team owner of the Racers Group. He has over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans. Kevin realized the racing world is about the people and founded Adobe Road Winery. He and his team have created a winning combination with 
the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own with a racing twist. Just like in racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, superb taste, all blended together with a whole lot of fun. There are four carefully crafted blends with race-inspired names, Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. When you purchase all four, you get the entire lineup in a beautifully designed gift box. There's a printed description of the blends inside the box lid, and every bottle is parked in a protective die-cut placeholder. The bottles feature three-dimensional labels, and I promise you'll want to keep them after enjoying these delicious wines. The box is so cool, you'll want to keep it too. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiasts in your life, and I have a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word, all caps, at checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wine from the Racing Series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off on your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH today to get your deal. Cheers! Hey, Rob, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right, we'll have some fun. Hopefully, you won't need your Hans device today. I'll try to keep us on track, but I'm sure you're a great driving coach, too, so you'll guide me through the apex in the right (laughs) manner here so I don't hit any walls. Before I jump into my questions for you, Rob, I'd love for you to tell our listeners here one little thing about Rob that most people may not know. You know, I I thought about this, and... The best thing I've got is I've actually been in three television shows and a movie Whoa. in my lifetime. Oh, we, we've got a Hollywood star here. Well, <laughs> well tell us real quickly, what, what were you in or what did you do? So the first thing I was in uh, was a movie called Rules of Engagement. Came out, I want to say, in the late 90s. Had Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Samuel Jackson in it. Uh, it was around... Uh, the plot was around this Marine colonel and, you know, they go into a, an embassy evacuation and then there's some, some bad things happen. And then he goes, you know, he goes, goes to trial and they, they think that he shot some unarmed people and kind of follows him through this court martial. Sure. Anyway, I was an active duty Marine at the time stationed in Quantico, Virginia. And unbeknownst to me, not too far west of Quantico, you know, further inland into Virginia, there's actually a, a retired base. I don't know if it's an army base or what kind of base it used to be. And it gets used at off, oftentimes as a, a movie set. Okay. And so uh, we got word that there was a, a movie crew that was looking for extras and background support from the Marines. So they needed uniformed Marines to, to go in and, and, and be part of this movie and play various background roles. Ah. And so at, at the time, I'm like, well, that sounds pretty neat. <laughs> sounds kind and, of fun. Yeah. And so the command I worked under, you know, they told us, they said, hey, you know, well, if you want to go do this, that's great. You don't have to burn any of your leave. We'll let you, you know, take off a couple days to uh-huh. go to go film the movie and you get paid to do it by the, movie. the, the guys producing the movie. Yeah. Nice. So we go out and we did various roles and, and kind of background performances, you know, uh-huh. whether we're doing PT or we're marching or, you know, whatever the case may be. Got yeah. to meet. You know, got to meet Tom Lee Jones, got to meet Samuel Jackson. It was all, you know, really neat experience. Fast forward four and a half years, five years later, 
after I got out of the Marines, I was uh, was living in San Diego at the time, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd, I'd, up until that point, I'd been bartending on the East Coast, and then I had moved out to the West Coast and was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, I'm like, man, you know, I wonder if there's any good, you know, background extra work out here. Yeah. So I reached out, and it was a company called Combat Casting that had done the the casting work for the for the Marines. So I reached out to them. I knew they were based on the West Coast and said, Hey, you know, I'm out here. I did, did the movie with you guys and I'm down here in San Diego. Is, you know, is there any background extra work that I could maybe get into while I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I grow up? <laughs> and uh, as it turned out, there was, there were uh, at the time, and this was mid 2000s, there were three shows that were regularly filmed in uh, San Diego. Oh. One was Jag. Oh, okay. Yeah. One was Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. which uh, I think lasted maybe a season. And then there was another one called Veronica Mars. And so what I did is I, I got hooked up with the casting company that did the background work for those three shows. It was a, a woman's company based there in San Diego. And uh, basically I got on the background circuit and I would kind of cycle through the three shows playing various, you know, various roles. Yeah. Um, so I was a, a Navy lieutenant uh, on, on a couple JAG episodes, I was a rent-a-cop on Point Pleasant, mm-hmm. and then I was a chef on Veronica Mars for an episode. <laughs> there you go. So do you have headshots you can send out with signatures so when the, my listeners need some some souvenirs <laughs> right. from a Hollywood star, we can uh, get something from you? Uh, at least you got to have some fun with that, and uh, now your, your image is saved in perpetuity. And today it's going to be saved in perpetuity by your voice as a guest here on Cars, yeah? And I'd, I'd love to kind of start this journey with you, Rob, uh, ask you about a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. You run a race team, and I'm sure you guys have sayings and quotes and things that you live by. Nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here a little bit on Cars, yeah? So, Rob, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. So one of my favorite quotes or mantras, and one that I've used, strangely enough, I've, I've, I've used it over the years in various facets of my life, whether it be a personal or business or, or racing now. And it's uh, it's control what you can, ignore what you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And initially, it kind of sounds a bit defeatist, right? You, know, you ignore the things that you can't control, and you just have to succumb to them. But it's not about that. It's about focusing your energy on the things that you can control. Yes. Because those are the areas in life or in business or in school where you can have, you, know, you can actually make an impact. You know, right. uh, spending energy focusing on things that you can't control uh, is, you know, it's a, it's just not a good use of energy. It's wasted energy in a way. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because just a few days ago I had Kelly Earnhardt Miller uh, who's the general manager for Junior Motorsports, that racing team, NASCAR team. And she had the same quote. Exactly the same thing. And it applies to racing so obviously because there's just so much out of your control that happens on a raceway. There's a lot in control too, but so many things are going on. And she said the exact same word. So I think there's a lot of uh, similarity in racing uh, definitely that that quote (laughs) applies to. It can also be a great way to uh, apply that to your life because so many people get wrapped around the axle, to use a car term, with things they have no control over and they let it consume their 
focus and their direction. So I'm glad you shared that with us. I want you to get into your business now a little bit and talk about it. And I really find what you're doing fascinating in a variety of ways. I want you to talk about Team Hardpoint. Uh, Spencer mentioned it when he was a guest on the show here driving that Audi. Uh, of course, he drives also for uh, Kevin uh, Buckler, uh, the Racers Group, that Porsche. So he gets to jump in a couple German cars and have fun. Also, your outfitters and the Hardpoint Paddock Foundation, which I think is a wonderful thing you've done. This uh, COVID pandemic has affected so many of us in so many negative ways. Uh, I've had family members that have been out of work for a long time. My wife has been out of work for a long time now. Uh, so walk us through each of these businesses that you operate and talk a little bit about each of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll take a bit of a walk back in time. So my first exposure to you know, professional racing uh, was in 2018. I showed up and, and began racing in the, the IMSA's GT3 Cup Challenge Series, racing a Porsche GT3 Cup. Nice. And I was brand new. I had club raced for two years prior to that. But in, in the world of racing professionally and, and being in the professional paddock and, and what I've now come to call the, the, the race economy, um, I was very, very wet behind the ears. And there was a lot that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so I learned part of who I am. I, I like learning as much as I can about whatever you know hobby or endeavor or project that I'm, I'm, I'm involved in at the time. And so you know, I set out to learn as much as I could about the business of racing. And, you know, I found it fascinating how the teams worked and how the series worked and how, you know, this role that gentlemen drivers play and then the professional drivers and then all the vendors. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's its own little micro economy, which is really, really interesting. So along the way, as I'm personally trying to explore racing, but then also trying to structure my racing endeavors in a way that's beneficial to me outside of the track whether that be promoting the business i was running at the time or trying to figure out the right tax structure for an llc you know to structure around the racing you know i just set out to learn all these things and over the course of those first two years by the you know by the my by last season in, in cup i was juggling probably eight to ten different vendors outside of the team that i was paying to support the car so i had you know, I had someone that was doing press releases for me. I had someone that was doing social media. You know, I had a designer that was doing my car liveries and then my apparel. And then I'm, you know, producing apparel and, you know, finding vendors to do the print production and fulfillment. And I just had this mountain of vendors. And it was really, it was a second job or a third job because we figured the second job was driving a race car. Yeah, no kidding. And I found that there was no entity in the paddock that really service that element of racing because specifically in sports car racing, you know, gentlemen drivers are really the engines that drive those series, you know, behind nearly every race team with the exception of your, your factory back teams behind every race team is a gentleman driver or a funded driver that, uh, that kind of is, is, is right in the check, so to speak. And behind that driver may be a parent that is, is successful and has a business or the individual, him or herself, may have a business. And so I looked at that and I said, well, why, doesn't, why isn't there an element inside of this race economy that tries to bring value to these funded drivers? You know, the saying is, if you want to make a lot of money in racing, you, know, you start with, <laughs> start a, with a, a lot of money. <laughs> right, right. And so, the, you know, the, what that ultimately means is that you know, you take the money, you put it on a pallet, you take it in the backyard, light it on fire because you know, you're not going to get it back. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend it racing. And so what the way I looked at it is while that may be true, could I 
stick one little extra stack of money on the pallet that could get me some value back out of my racing, whether that was promoting, like I said, the business I was running at the time. My second year of racing, I was promoting two businesses that I was uh, co-invested in, with one with my brother and one with a, a, another individual out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at everything that I had packaged together to try to build this activation program around myself. And I was like, you know, other people need this. You know, for every race team that's out there, there's a guy like me or a girl who is funding that endeavor, is not going to get most of that money back. So why not try to extract some extra value out of this this giant check you're going to write every year to go racing? And so that kind of is how the Hardpoint ecosystem, as we call it, was born. And so part of it was structuring my own racing. So that's where Team Hardpoint comes into play. I had been paying you know, what, what I call customer teams for the previous two years to, to go racing. And I sat down and looked at it and said, well, I can start my own team and probably spend about the same amount of money, but I'll have an asset. I'll have you know a, a way and a mechanism to possibly bring other racers to the track. And on the, on the other side of that, we came up with, with Hardpoint Outfitters. And, and what Hardpoint Outfitters would do is serve as kind of a project management hub funded drivers like me to come to and gain access to all of these things that I had juggled and jostled together the previous two years for myself personally. So we would, you know, link folks up with um, social media packages and PR packages and, you know, uh, livery design and crew branding and crew design all the way out to, you know, websites and that sort of thing. It's really, again, about providing value to folks that are going to be racing because as we're currently seeing now, Racing historically has ebbed and flowed with the economy, and anytime the economy is distressed, then you know the paddocks become distressed. And sure. as we, you know, if you read the news this morning, you know Porsche has announced that they're going to pull their their factory works team out of IMSA at the end of the year, you know, which is really unfortunate. And so that you know that that further puts the emphasis on on the privateer teams. And so I feel like if you can find a way to extract more value out of the money that an individual is spending to go racing, it's going to do two things. It's going to hopefully mean that that individual stays in the paddock longer. You know, he doesn't go for a year or two and then decide that it's a lot cheaper to go play golf or tennis. (laughs) Yeah. And it's going to show other brands outside of those brands that are behind the drivers that the paddock, the sports car racing paddock, the professional racing paddock is a place to be. You know, you look at, you look at NASCAR and you know, there's, there's brands on everything. Right. Um, you look at sports car racing 20 years ago and you had the same dynamic, but over time it's eroded away. And so now when you talk to people about sponsorship and you talk to people about getting brands into the paddock, yeah, everybody just kind of shrugs their shoulders and eh, nobody wants to sponsor racing. Well, nobody wants to sponsor racing because they don't see other brands in the paddock. You know, it's mm-hmm. the, the I mean, you need to develop that FOMO where brand X sees brand Y on the side of a race car and says, hey, why aren't we doing that? Right. Uh, so yeah. So th- so that's kind of how the the Hardpoint ecosystem came to be, and everything was rolled out this year. We're super excited. We got one race in at Daytona, and then COVID hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Total. <laughs> so talk about a wall pe- appearing on the straightaway right before your eyes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. It, yeah. It's so you know we all kind of take a knee and you know think about all right. Well, how are we going to spend this time? Mm-hmm. And one of the most immediate things that I saw, and, and partly because I have my own team, 
you know, the, the business of the teams, a lot of these crew members that you see on TV changing tires and, and filling gas tanks and, you know, doing the wheel gun, these guys are contract crew members. They call them fly-in crew. And so these guys, you know, they cobble together a, a season of work, usually across two or three different teams and mm-hmm. two or three different series. And then that's how they kind of, you know, make, make a, a living. living. Yeah. Right. Well, with racing shut down, they have no income. There's no income. You know, there's at the time, and uh, you know, arguably it's still a little rocky. You know, the unemployment system was not really made wasn't made available to folks that weren't W two employees. And right. so I saw it in my own team. So right off the bat, we said, "Hey, okay, we're going to miss Sebring. So let's let's come up with something, you know, for the guys internally, kind of replicate what they would have made um, over that Sebring weekend." Just to get them over the hump and, and we can wait and see, you know, what this calendar is going to look like. And as I was doing that, I started thinking about every other team that's out there and a lot of customer teams that, that employ these guys, you know, they're not funded by a gentleman driver. A lot of customer teams are, you know, there's small race shops around the country that pull in customers that will pay them to support a race car. And a lot of them may not have the means and the wherewithal to just, you know, float 10 or 12 guys for two, three, four, five months. Of course not, yeah. And so we had already stood up all the outfitters' capacity, and we had made a lot of relationships with apparel vendors and and uh, and designers and printers and that sort of thing. And so I said, hey, why don't you know? Why don't we crank out some cheeky T-shirts? We came up with this flatten the curve line of T-shirts that mm-hmm. is a bit of a yeah a meta- play a play on yeah. metaphor of, of exactly. current conditions in racing. Yeah, I love it. Right. Current conditions, and then you know the, the flatten the curve, hitting the apex. And yep. so we, we designed a couple T-shirts and some coffee mugs and a few other things, and figured we'd sell them, and then put the proceeds into a foundation. So we stood up the Hardpoint Paddock Foundation, and uh, then we started you know getting donations, and then I I matched a fair amount of those, and we basically started uh, pulling in applications from guys that had been you know put out of work. Mm-hmm. That didn't have other sources of income. A lot of them were, you know, single earner households, yeah. had families, and uh, so we started cranking out these grants to just, nice. you know, we couldn't, we can't make everybody whole, but it, you know, what we tell these guys when we pay the grants out is that hopefully, you know, we can play a small part in your overall strategy to kind of weather the storm, which is, you know, what we're trying to do. Well, it's marvelous what you've done. I, I think it's really great bringing the the concept of business to racing, which is has been had to have been done for a long time. However, you're taking it to another level for these uh, smaller teams and so forth. So my hat's off to you. And what you've done with the Hardpoint Paddock Foundation is absolutely brilliant. Giving back to those folks and helping. That's what this is all about, is all of us helping each other try to get through this mess uh, is absolutely brilliant. I'll make sure I put links to these on Rob's show notes page. I encourage you to go forth. Uh, you know, if you have a few bucks to uh, to help them out, to help some of these folks out, um, you can buy some of the merchandise there. I'll make sure I have links there so you know exactly where to go. I think it's absolutely brilliant. We're going to take a short break, take a breath. We're going to come back with what I call a challenge question, although I think we've already talked about a big challenge here, but we can touch on something else if you'd like. And Rob's passion for cars and racing when we get back. So stay in your seat, stay buckled up. We'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve 
and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive-related events, car shows, and drives. Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible! To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. And don't miss my weekly podcast with Keith Martin titled Buy, Sell, Hold. It's the essence of collecting. We talk to the movers and shakers in the collector car world. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. All right, Rob, we're back. And, uh, you know, I always ask my guests for a big challenge. Now, asking a racer or a racing team for challenges is absolutely silly because racing is fraught with ups and downs. <laughs> One weekend you're a champ, the next weekend you're a chump. So uh, if you want to walk us through something or if what we just talked about before our break here about the challenges of COVID, that's fine. And we can move on to a, a maybe a more fun part of our talk today. But uh, is there a story you'd like to share with us, kind of a little journey you might take us down and how you define that in a positive way from a learning lesson and how you move forward out of that, that lousy apex that you might've hit? <laughs> I can. I mean, it's, it's another walk down memory lane, but it brings kind of brings us back to the present. Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, uh, at the time, I was working for Joint Special Operations Command here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I had this job that I that I just adored. I grew up in a very small rural area in South Carolina, and you know, in, in rural America, you know, a lot of kids end up, you know, they end up going to the military, and it's a it's a great way to get out of that that uh, you know that environment and go see the world and that sort of thing. So I'd, I'd always been very enamored with that element of the military and the cool stuff that the military does. And obviously I spent eight, eight years in the Marines. Yeah. And so at the time I was working as a, what we called a government civilian. So I worked for the special operations community, but I was no longer in uniform. And I had this great job. I traveled the world. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan, South America, Africa, all over the globe. Wow. 
And it was just really meaningful work, great work working with, you know, some of the most elite, you know, military members in, in, in the world. But the challenge was I was gone anywhere from six to eight months a year. Oh, yeah. um, and, and I had a, a, a young daughter at the time and she was approaching the, the age of kindergarten and, you know, having children and, and traveling a lot, you know, when they're infants, it's, it's not as difficult because, you know, they haven't developed a personality and, 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 and you know, they're not like a whole person yet. You know, they're still a baby. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so, you know, as, as she's approaching kindergarten age, well, now she is a whole person. She's got a personality and yeah. she tells you she doesn't like it when you leave. And, yeah. You know, you start oh, yeah. Tar- talking at those heartstrings. Oh, yeah. And so there I was with this job that I, I adored. I, I just I loved every minute of it. Um, it was extremely fulfilling. But my role as a father. I've got to find another way so that I'm not gone all the time. And so at the time I said, okay, let me evaluate this and figure out, you know, how can I stay in the same community? Because what I was doing at the time, I came to realize that, that I was really good at. And so I resigned out of the government and initially I started consulting. So, well, you know, this talent that I have and this, these things that I do, you know, are, are in somewhat high demand across government and, 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 and business. And so I can you know, I'll stand up, a, I'll start consulting and I'll just kind of do the same thing, but do it on my own terms and I'll do it for different people. And then that evolved into, okay, well, I know a bunch of other people like me, so maybe I should just start a business out of this. Yeah. And, and so I did. And I knew nothing about business. You know, I spent, you know, I graduated high school, I did eight years in the Marines, bounced around, bartended, did a couple other ridiculous retail things and then ended up back in the government for another five years. So mm-hmm. yeah, I knew nothing of business. I didn't go to college and I just kind of willed my way through it. So well, I'm just going to figure this out because this is what I need to do in order to stay in this world that I want to be in, but also you know, be around for, for my family. And so that was in 2010. And that company uh, I've since retired from uh, in the last couple of months has nearly 600 employees now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's 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 astonishing for even myself to to look back at it because yeah. you know 11 years ago everything I owned fit in the back of a 2004 Ford Taurus. Yeah. And then here I am 10 years later I get to race on TV, you know, I've I've, I've <laughs> yeah. got my own race team. It, it, it's it's just amazing in real life, yeah. And and what it what it taught me is people, humans, can do anything. You know, I can't, I could never be an NBA basketball player because I'm not seven feet tall mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, I'm no good at free throws. But <laughs> by and large, humans can do anything they set their mind to. Yes. You know, if you, you will your way to it, mm-hmm. if you commit to it, you can do anything, whether that's starting a business or driving a race car. And, and, and over the last decade, that, that has really come to shape how I approach a lot of what I do, namely the racing. You know, I, I get in a race car with with Spencer, and you know, Spencer. When I've, I've made this comment before, you know, twenty some odd years ago, when 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 I was standing on the yellow footprints in Paris Island, mm. Spencer was taking his first win at Daytona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's been doing this for a long time. Yep. And I view that as a challenge. I look at Spencer and say, okay, well, if he can do it. I, we're both 43 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, we're born a couple months apart. Yep. And if he can do it, 
I can do it. And doesn't mean I'll, I'll get there, right? Because he's got you know, two and a half seat, He's got some seat time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got quite a bit of seat time. But it doesn't mean I won't try. And it, it doesn't mean that I won't commit to, to the journey and the pursuit of trying to get there. Right. And, and, and so I think it, it's, it served me well, and it served me well then, it serves me well now as a, as a racing driver. You know, powerful story and a testament to exactly what you said, Rob. We as human beings can do anything if we're willing to sacrifice, put our mind to it, work hard. It's possible, and the resources are out there. You have to seek them. Sometimes you have to work very hard for them, uh, but they're out there. So what a magnificent story. Uh, again, hoorah to you. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Well, let's talk about this passion you have for cars, because obviously you're absolutely. a bit of a car guy, too, uh, alongside a business guy uh, and a Marine, because a Marine never retires from the Marine Corps. You will always be a Marine. Uh, I know that because my father-in-law was for 35 years. So uh, let's talk about this passion you have for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back in your life, you knew that you were going to be a car guy, a racer? It started with bicycles. Bikes, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, I would, you know, I had a little BMX bike, and I constantly wrenched on it. Made it lighter, yeah. got different mag wheels for it, repainted. I'd strip it down, paint it a new color, and then I'd race it. Yeah, I raced. We had this circuit around my neighborhood, a you know, multi-block circuit, <laughs> cool. and and we'd race. I just I loved racing. I loved speed, not in the sense of adrenaline, adrenaline, but in the in, in the sense of, of of motion. I'm pretty sure I've got a fair amount of ADHD going on, and. <laughs> You know the the sense of motion is is you know it, it's calming for 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 people like me who can't sit still. Um, and so naturally, you know, I'm watching the clock and the calendar for when I'm old enough to drive a car. And so, of course, once I got into a car, it was it was it was all the same, only better and faster and slightly more expensive. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, let's migrate into cars here. What was your first really special car? Now, this could be a street car or maybe the first race car you jumped into and buckled up. You know, I, I thought about this question, and I was going to go with the first new car I bought, which was a, a first brand new car I ever bought was a 1995 Chevy Camaro. Mm -hmm. But it really wasn't until my first, and, and I'll, I'll probably offend a lot of the, the muscle heads out there, but it wasn't until my first real sports car, which was a 2008 911 Turbo. Um, and I bought that in, uh, bought it very used. And I want to say 2014, mm -hmm. and it was it was the first time with the aforementioned business that that I actually had some you know some free money at the end of the year, and yeah. you know I'd worked incessantly until that point. I said, you know what, I'm I'm going to treat myself to just a, a frivolous thing that I don't need, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go buy a sports car. And I'd always wanted a Porsche. I've always loved Porsches for what they represent in terms of the 911, albeit lower, fatter longer still looks like a 911 yeah. you know 40 50 years ago so i got this 911 turbo drove out to Asheville, north carolina bought it off a used car lot never driven a porsche i don't even know that i'd ever been in the presence of a porsche up until that point oh my gosh <laughs> and i get in this thing and if you know any you know anything about the the area around Asheville, you know it's the the blue ridge mountains and the appalachian mountains it's 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 Beautiful. certainly nothing like the west coast mountains but it's you know it's it's still elevation and curvy roads sure and i made the four-hour drive home and i was just enthralled with this car it was, <laughs> it, it, was it was like a go-kart only extremely fast and shortly thereafter i took it to my first track day because i didn't know those existed either 
uh, until I got the Porsche and went to a Cars and Coffee, and somebody overheard someone talking about a, uh, an HPDE. So uh, what what what, yeah. what is what is, what is this HPDE? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a driver's ed. It's a track day. So a track day. So you drive on the racetrack. And like yeah, you take your car out and they give you an instructor. And I said, but I can drive my car on a racetrack. Like, yeah. And so uh, March of fifteen. I went and did my first HPDE at PIR. It was a three-day event with the Porsche Club. Yeah. And I was Boom. absolutely <laughs> hooked. Yeah. No, no, no turning back. You know, to start your life with a Porsche being a turbo uh, <laughs> is like a step into a rocket launch for sure. Um, I have a bias because I love Porsches and always have. That's my mark of choice. But to jump into that car, oh my gosh, yeah, those are very cool. Well, uh, welcome to the club. Yeah, once you're bit by that snake, uh, you're part of the team for sure. Well, let me get into your head a little bit here and ask you this question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would Rob Ferriel be and why? So I think it's going to be a little cliche okay. and the timing will seem suspect. All right. <laughs> but I would, I, I, I thought, about this and uh, i would have to say the ford gt40 okay the, the original oh the old GT, the real one the yeah. original gt race car subject of the ford versus ferrari movie which is why i say it's cliche and suspect timing but okay. <laughs> the logic behind it you think about what those guys came together to try and do you think about ford as a bit of a blue collar brand in, in contrast to, to Ferrari, mm -hmm. I look at my own life. I grew up in you know, very blue collar and very rural part of South Carolina <laughs> and stubbornly have trudged my way through life and, and now find myself, you know, having race Porsches and Audis and all these other cool things that I've, I've been fortunate enough to do. And I, I, I liken it to what Ford undertook in, in that endeavor. You know, they, they wanted to kind of knocked Ferrari off the mountain. And yep. So they came to, came together and wrenched on a car and you know kind of stumbled the first first one out but by the second one they you know they had it right. And yeah. uh I think I think there's a lot of parallels there to to the way that I've stubbornly approached life. Nicely said, well thought through. Love it. All right, we're entering the last lap. You've been here many times. The white flag's out. You can see that checkered in the distance. I'm going to ask you to do some quick blips of that GT40 throttle with some short answers here. So let's hit the road. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to many successes in your life? I called it stubbornness just now, but in the interest of a very nice answer to a question, I would call it continuous refinement. Mm that transcends to racing and it, it is really it's it's what racing and, and race car driving is it's continually refining that lap lap after lap after lap trying to get it just a just a skosh faster yep perfect how about if i could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive or racing field living or deceased who would that individual be danny ricardo ah nice danny I, ricardo yeah, he, i like him <laughs> he has the best attitude yeah. In the paddock, in the Formula One paddock. Permanent smile on that guy's face. Always smiling, always happy, no matter you know whether he's got you know, a mountain of challenges ahead of him or if he just won you know, the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. Just a great attitude. Um, so I think he'd be a, a ton of fun to have a beer with, and I would love to just ask him about driving that race car. <laughs> no kidding. How about the best automotive or racing advice someone else has ever given you? What would that be? I'd say the automotive advice. Never buy new. 
<laughs> yes, that's very smart economic advice. I wish somebody had told me that way, way earlier <laughs> in my life. I'd have a lot more money in the bank. Uh, yeah, I don't do that anymore either. Um, you were smart to buy that turbo the way you did because those cars just plummet in devaluation. Let the first guy take the hit. And most people that's take right. care of those cars. So they you, do. Can, you can find them in pretty good shape. That's the way I've bought you know, I've always wanted to buy a new Porsche, but all the 911s I've had, I think 12 of them now, I've always bought two to six years older, or the one I have in my garage is a turbo is 33 years old. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I've actually bought one new, one, uh-huh. just one. I've, I've always beat the never buy new drum. Um, you know, yeah. I think you know, we talked before, I've, I've, I've had every uh, 911 GT3 since the the 997 first oh, generation. Nice. And uh, always bought them used. Always very creatively. Um, mm-hmm. One actually, I bought out of Canada. Wow. Got it for like sixty cents on the dollar. It was wow. a great deal. Yeah. Um, it's a it's actually a race car in my garage now. Oh, nice. But I did buy a new GT3 RS, the Ooh. the 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 current generation. Yeah. And uh-huh. and I, nice. I I went against went against my own right uh, mm-hmm. advice. Only because they hold, you know, the RSs are, are kind of unicorns right. in the yeah. Porsche world. They, yeah. You know, the, the value doesn't go down. It sometimes goes the other direction. Like buying a Ford GT. Yeah, same <laughs> thing. Yeah, very exactly. few new cars will do that for sure. Is there a supplier out there or resource that you're fond of that you could share with us? I check sportscar365.com every day. Yeah. And I, talk, I come into contact with a lot of people that are far outside of racing, just in daily life, whether it's, uh, you know, your, your barber or you know, your insurance guy or whatever. And when you tell people that, that you own a race team or you drive a race car or what, or what have you, usually, and part of that's given where I live in the country, uh, usually the first return question is, what do you mean, like NASCAR? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, there's, there's actually there's other, other racing. racing. Yeah. <laughs> where, where people turn right and, and left and, and, <laughs> And change gears and all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, no, Sports Car 365. It's what John's built with that website and, yeah. and the information and the access to all the different series around the world. It's it's a great place to see just how much sports car racing there is around the globe. Yeah, it's phenomenal. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share? The last book that I read is a book called Leaders, written by uh, retired General Stanley McChrystal, who. I had the privilege to work for for a number of years at JSOC, and he is—he's—he was a an amazing leader. And when I started my first business back in 2010, I took with me a lot of the things that that, that I had learned from from watching him manage a very large organization that was operating, you know, all around the world, mm-hmm. and not just the management, but also the way, you know, he treated. You know, every, everyone in the command, you know, civilian and military and, and contractor alike. And, uh, yeah, I took that and that's kind of how I led my business and the, and the, the people that were gracious, gracious enough to come work, work with me. And so I always, always encourage people to read his books, whether you're, a, you run a business or don't run a business or you just, you know, want to learn how to lead people. He, he 
he has a lot of great thoughts on the subject. Awesome. Awesome book recommendation. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Rob. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool, fun collector card today, something uh, that you could enjoy on the weekends maybe. Uh, but there's some rules to my game that might make this uh, a bit of a challenge for you. Uh, you can't sell it to fund your racing team. So if you buy an <laughs> expensive car, you stuck with it. I want you to drive it and enjoy it. No dust collecting garage queens allowed at cars. Yeah. Uh, but here's the kicker. It's the only one cool collector card you can have in your garage uh so what can i buy you today the 550 spider <laughs> you know this one week has been two people wanted a 550 <laughs> spider uh one of my favorite vintage cars by far but you know what's interesting is if you've ever driven one or been in one i mean they're not really super fast uh when you compare it to obviously like an rs like you have or race cars that you drive but what is it about the 550 that intrigues you so much that you love so much well, I'd say th three things. One, it's a it's it's a Porsche before the 911. It's mid-engine. Yeah. It's a really neat looking car. Mm -hmm. And honestly, with its relationship with James Dean, you talk about a cool car. Mm -hmm. The car was synonymized with James Dean. And yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you know, it's not fast. It's not a supercar. It's it's just a really neat looking car, and it it, it kind of person personified cool. Yeah, uh, oh, in yeah. that era. For sure. All right, I'll get to work on that spider for you. Uh, it may take me a little while, so sit tight. I'll be patient, uh, but I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> I know a few people that own some, so we'll see what we can do. Hey, Rob, you've taken me on a wonderful ride around the track today. This has been great. Uh, what an inspiration you are. I want to thank you for your journey and for what you're doing for people. Could you offer us maybe a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 550 spider? Absolutely. And and I feel like I've gotten maybe deeper than, than we had anticipated with <laughs> with this interview, but I'd, I'd, I'd leave you with one kind of final mantra of my own, which is, is it's about choices and life. Life is just a series of choices. Yes. And I look back at my own life and you know talk about all the vastly different things that I've done and, and how I meandered my way to where I'm at now. And I trace... I trace it all back to choices and, and, you know, I, I, I made a choice, you know, when my daughter was born to, to go take a job with the government, uh, I made a choice, you know, to, to come out of that job and, and, and find another way through consulting, which led to the business. Um, and choices, you make the best one you can with the information you've got at the moment. And then you, you know, you wash, rinse, repeat, you make the next best choice. And I, I feel like if you, Try to make the best choice you can at, at, at the moment. That's really all you can do. Um, but if you if you commit to trying to make those best choices, you know a lot of times they they all add up and eventually lead you lead you somewhere really neat. Well, it's pretty obvious by your story and uh, listeners out there. Yeah, go out today, make some really great choices, and you too can achieve whatever you want to achieve in this great country that we're so fortunate to be living in. Hey, Rob, this has been great. I'm going to make sure I put links to Rob's business, racing team, and everything involved on his show notes page. Hardpoint.com is the website. He's got a Facebook page. I'll put links there. Easy to find, Hardpoint, and Instagram as well. Follow this guy. Follow his team. Follow his fun. Uh, support his causes to help other people in need right now, especially. Uh, it'll be worth your time. It'll be a good choice that you make. Rob, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences. I hope you get back on the track very soon and have some fun here until you and I talk again. I'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. 
If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!